Take 86. Man, I had a really, really wonderful weekend. Just spent the whole weekend with family. Uh, had my granddaughter. Was a blast. Boy, do I love playing with her. I mean, when she when she comes over, it's me and her, and then just everyone else disappears. <laughs> you know, the little ones, they need a lot of our attention, and I think we forget that. I think we assume that they're spoiled when, in point of fact, they are little hungry souls wanting to experience life and wanting to look up to someone i mean they naturally they look up to us because we're giants i'm six foot two so my little my little super supreme honeybee (laughs) is tiny just very tiny so you know there's there's a literal sense there of these uh small creatures these small beings these small souls that look to uh, they look up to us for guidance and they look up to us for curiosity you know and so i'm always i've always been one that within an environment whoever is the youngest person and for me if there's nothing serious going on with family if there's nothing uh, serious that needs to be discussed if we don't all need to sit down at the table and and you know and and just you know confront a family issue or something that's going on my attention goes to the smallest person in the room because that's our future people that is our future. So, you know, you can just imagine a, a, a cute little two-year-old. <laughs> she gets all of my attention. So it was a wonderful weekend. And obviously, that kind of slowed me down. So I didn't do much posting. I haven't been doing much smart casting. But here we are. Here we are. Plus, I am very busy um, trying to do my best to organize the Trickle Up project, which I will talk about in a moment. But first, we always have to... We always have to start off with a little bit of drama. Why not? (laughs) Okay, the crypto cult of decentralization. Now, I had mentioned in the past that I wanted to do, I wanted to do something called um, crypto communities, crypto tribes, and crypto cults. Now, before that, before that, before calling it that or thinking about calling it that, I had thought of steam communities steam um tribes and steam cults <laughs> but that was something that was going on that was something that was going down previously with a security issue and i had a little bit of a beef with some people and you know it just kind of i saw this cult like behavior in certain people but then as a result of that situation I made a, a commitment to myself to be a little bit more conscious of, you know, protecting the brand in a certain sense. I mean, I'm on Steam It and I really want to see it succeed. So using the word Steam or using the word Steam It, you know, if I want to be a responsible person and want to contribute to its growth, then I should be careful about certain titles, especially when it's not necessary. Now, I can talk about I can talk about things that are going on on the inside, but to just kind of stay away from certain titles because it's it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. I mean, I'm still free to talk about what I want to talk about, but sometimes it's it's better to generalize things when it's more appropriate to do so, you know. And so since that since we've moved away from that situation, I said, OK, that's not a necessary title because there's there's other now there's other factors 
that come into play. You know, I'm also on DTube. I also have my issues with Hive over the last, so, and Blurton and, and, and all of these kinds of, these uh, crypto scenarios that I like to begin my Tino take with because the vast majority of my audience deals with crypto and in particular deals with this, let's call it this environment that was created from uh, Steam, the delegated proof of stake system, the crypto media blockchain platforms that we have, you know, this whole idea of uh, creating social media connected to a blockchain. So I like to always start things off there. So what I wanted to start with is that the crypto cult of decentralization, because I got away from, I got away from, um, pointing in one particular direction and thought, okay, this needs to go a little bit more general because it's not just steam it or DTube or hive or blurt. This is something that has been going on. Let's call it within the cryptocurrency movement. And it's amazing how movements, when they're created, there's always this pocket of people in whatever movement, whatever ideology that just kind of get radical and fundamentalistic about, you know, about the movement or, or, or about what's going on. And it made me reflect on uh, cults. It made me reflect on, you know, um, on how people behave, how they get ritualistic when it comes to these circumstances. And when I see certain people, when I see certain people expressing themselves in a certain way, it becomes clear to me that this is kind of like a cultish mentality. Now I know it's a heavy word, but don't think about cult. Don't think about Jim Jones and grape juice. And you know, those, those people who, who was it? The, the people who with the comet was flying over and they put on their Nike shoes. I mean, well, what kind of, I mean, they're cults. I mean, <laughs> but you know, don't think of those extreme, crazy, you know, situations because that's an extreme of where, uh, where something could go. I mean, you had Waco and you have all, you have a lot of different, um, but the underlying principles, the underlying conditions, and it made me think of, um, Margaret Singer's book, uh, she, that she, that she wrote in 1995, Cults in Our Mist in which she outlined six, six conditions that cults uh, use from within to control the people or to condition the people within that cult to be accepting of that cult, to become part of that cult and, and stay within that cult. And so I'm going to go over these six conditions and I want you to think about scenarios or situations that, that may reflect this within the crypto world, whether it be a steemic community whether it be uh, a DTube and its so-called community, whether it be what's going on on Hive, what's going on on Blurt, I think these conditions will cause you to reflect. So let's look at them. Number one, these are the these are the six. This is uh, Margaret Singer's six conditions of mind control in her book Cults in Our Mists. And number one is keep the person unaware of what is going on. And how she or he is being changed a step at a time. Potential new members are led step by step through a behavioral change program without being aware of the final agenda or full content of the group. Now, you know what's interesting about this? In the vast majority of cases, see, see, the key word here is being aware of the final agenda 
a lot of cultish people, they, they are the true believers. They are the ones who push forward the idea while those above, while those who are creating the condition, the environment for these true believers, they know what the real agenda is. And in a lot of this so-called decentralization world, a lot of the people who are really aware of what they are doing, you know, whether, whether it's creating a blockchain, whether it's creating a platform, they know that the real agenda is not decentralization. Remember, cults always have little catchphrases and they have flashy slogans and mottos that people go by. But on the higher level, those who create these cults or the cult environment, some people aren't, they aren't, they aren't even aware that they're doing it, but they know what the real agenda is. Those who are dedicated, those who are the true believers down below, they don't know what the higher agenda is. They simply just regurgitate what is being offered to them as this kind of all, you know, this embracing community. I think so. I, I think we misuse, often misuse the word community, you know, and this is why I wanted to uh, I wanted to put together a concept that talked about communities, tribes and cults, because there's a difference between them and community is often used as a way of just, it's it's often used in this mind control way. You use words to change people's thinking. Little by little, you, you get them to, you get them to say, okay, we're all part of the community. What community? Is it really a community? And again, are they aware? Are they being told what is the real higher agenda? Because those who are controlling the environment where these new people come, these new members, these new potential members come into, they know the ignorance of a person who's coming in. So information is tightly controlled while back, back channels, while behind the scenes, it's usually a small group of people who are actually discussing the real agenda, the real direction that the movement, so-called movement. No, well, let's put it bluntly that the cult is moving forward. So let's look at the, let's look at the second one. What's the second condition? Control the person's social and or physical environment, especially control the person's time. This is a fascinating aspect because obviously our social environment, we don't have a physical environment online. Our physical environment would be our, our smartphones, our computers. But this is really more about controlling because remember, this is written in 19, 1995. So we're talking about now. We're talking about years later, we're at 2021, so we have to take a different context. But the context still fits because it says control a person's social environment, which is exactly what these uh, crypto media platforms do. I mean, it's a perfect scenario, perfect environment. If you look at a steamic community, that's it. That's that's the environment. You step into that environment and you'll have certain things that you have to follow along with, but especially control the person's time. And what's interesting on Steemit is that the way that you can control a person's time is this factor of these upvoting trails, these uh, auto upvotes that basically, you know, you just, you get one shot a day to get 50, 70, a hundred votes from a really long vote. And that conditions people, it conditions people to post once a day. Now, fortunately, DTube doesn't have this limitation, but 
posting multiple times a day really does consume your voting power. So again, there is an element of controlling people's time, which is interesting. Okay. Number three, systematically create a sense of powerlessness in the person. What happens when you come into these environments? The first thing you are given is uh, a so-called free account with very, very low capacity to do anything. You feel powerless when you step in to uh, steam it and you got 15 steam and you're realizing I can't do anything with this. <laughs> you step into DTube and you got 0.1 DTC and you used to have very little bandwidth. Um, I think they're going to address that and fix that problem now. But you do step, you step into the system with a sense of powerlessness, especially if you go into the trending page and you say, oh my God, look at all these tokens that these people are getting. How am I ever going to get up to that point? So the sense of powerlessness automatically accompanies your coming into these uh, environments. And unfortunately, you know, sets up this scenario that I'm suggesting becomes a cultish like scenario. Number four, manipulate the uh oh, this is where it gets interesting because you're going to hear this more than once. Number four. Manipulate a system of rewards, <laughs> punishments, and experiences in such a way as to inhibit behavior that reflects the person's former social identity. You have to become a new person when you enter into these. So you have to create your avatar, what's going to be your name, how are you going to describe yourself. But most importantly, listen to the words, manipulate a system of rewards. How perfect is that? I mean, we have... Crypto media now, we have social media on blockchain. We have a rewarding system. This obviously works for, this obviously works for YouTube as well. It works for Facebook, but you know, their rewarding systems are so superficial. But the point is it that they work. Manipulate the system of rewards, punishments, and experiences. Rewards, your upvotes. Punishments, downvotes, or being excluded. Experiences, what you can publish, what you can't publish, in which time you can publish it, how many times you can publish. And here, check out number five. Number five begins in the same exact way. Number five, manipulate a system of rewards, punishments, and experiences in order to promote learning the group's ideology or belief system and group-approved behaviors. Good behavior, demonstrating an understanding and acceptance of the group's beliefs and compliances are rewarded, while questioning, expressing doubts, and criticizing are met with disapproval, redress, and possible rejection. If one expresses a question, they are made to feel that there is something inherently wrong with them to be questioning. And don't tell me you have not seen this kind of behavior. It can happen subtly, or it can happen openly, directly. But again, the thing that fascinated me greatly is to see two of these conditions, back to back, two of these conditions begin with the same exact words, which highly reflect our crypto media blockchain platforms. Manipulate a system of rewards, punishments, and experiences. That is the perfect scenario for mind control. That is the perfect scenario for creating cultish-like behavior. And we've seen it. We've all seen it. We shouldn't deny it. So then finally, number six, 
put forth a closed system, put forth a closed system of logic and an authoritarian structure that permits no feedback and refuses to be modified except by leadership approval or executive order. The group has a top-down pyramid structure. The leaders must have verbal ways of never losing. And I would add nonverbal ways of never losing because in many cases we don't see we don't see the actual verbal expression or the actual expression from leaders on uh, anywhere on on steam it. I mean, we hardly ever hear from the leadership. We have those who have been delegated authority, which would be the steam it team. But we hardly ever hear from the Tron Foundation. We are we hardly ever hear from um, from Justin's son. We hardly ever hear on the hive side of things, you know, uh, uh, apart from the superficial kind of language. Again, go back to number one, where it says the real agenda is only known by those who are at the top of this pyramid structure. Now, why do I factor this into the idea of decentralization? Because this decentralization issue has become, you know, the catchphrase. It's become the fad. It's become popular. Bitcoin has made this popular. Before Bitcoin, decentralization was just kind of like this fancy word that only uh, a, a small group of people Maybe you may have used or used in order to describe government and things of that nature, but now it's become the the trendy thing. It's become the hip thing. Everybody wants to talk about. It. We need to decentralize everything. We need to decentralize everything, really. And how how are we going to go about doing that? And it's interesting to see people fanatical about it. They, they, you know, it's almost it's it's strange. You, you think of word. You think of things like Christian fundamentalist. You think of thing. You think of you know Islamic fundamentalists. These things kind of they make they make more sense. But when you think about you know decentralization fundamentalists, <laughs> it doesn't even sound right. But it is what is happening. People are so caught up into this. They're so bought into this idea that they don't even reflect anymore on what that actually means. You know what I think it means to a lot of people? I think a lot of people who are really fanatical about decentralization, it's kind of their way of saying, it's kind of their way of saying, I want decentralization because I don't want anybody to be in power so that I can try to get that power myself. Mm. I don't want anybody to be in power. I don't want anybody to have control over the system that I within that I am operating within so that I can have more of an advantage within that system. Because I mean, what other reason? Why be so fanatical? Why be so fundamentalistic about decentralization? What what part of your life is really decentralized? You fanatical, radical, fundamentalistic decentralizationist. What part of your life do you really commit to decentralization? I mean, why why go on why go on Steemit or Hive or DTube and and you know shout at the top of your lungs? We need decentralization. You know, most of you cats, most of you cats that are screaming the strongest, you'd be the same cats that that are smoking a pack of Marlboros, drinking Budweiser, got Calvin Klein jeans on, got your iPhone. And you're stuffing your face with a McDonald's hamburger. I mean, where are you actually, where actually are you going to start with your process of supporting decentralization when everything in your life comes from centralized entities? I think you need to get beyond this cult-like behavior because 
you're operating as the true believer, whereas those on the higher level up the pyramid structure, they know what the real agenda is. And the real agenda in many cases is to make a profit and to centralize power. I have always said that decentralization and centralization are an ebb and a flow. They both have a place and a purpose in life. Centralization is what humanity naturally gravitates towards because we have dynamic leaders by, by nature and they are born to lead and they are born to concentrate energy, concentrate focus in a particular direction. And that creates centralization. The problem with centralization is that when you go to one extreme, you then end up with totalitarianism because it's the famous phrase of power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Because the more you concentrate power into a small group of people, the small that the more that that small group of people takes on a messianic complex, they start to become megalomaniacs. They start to think themselves to be up in the higher echelons, uh, sitting amongst the gods. It, it, it gets to people. Power, unfortunately, gets to people. Power can be used positively, but that's not the issue here. The issue is that centralization is something that naturally occurs. And when centralization gets to that extreme point, then decentralization steps in and starts to break the structure down. Because totalitarianism, dictatorships, authoritarianism, these centralized forces, they create stagnation. People aren't allowed to express themselves anymore. People aren't allowed to live freely. People aren't given the opportunity to excel in life because the centralized power places, paralyzes, paralyzes the movement, paralyzes the nation, paralyzes the group because they want ever more control, tighter and tighter and tighter controls. So decentralization steps in and starts to break that structure up and starts to move power left and right, up and down, back and forth, all over the place, starts to break the system down because the dissatisfaction amongst the people in the lower rungs causes them to cause, causes them to start creating grassroots movements that start to break down the structure of the centralized entity, the centralized force, the centralized whatever it is. Then what happens is that when decentralization is, is successful in breaking down that structure, decentralization goes into its own swing. It, it moves towards its own sort of extreme in which within the decentralization cult-like mentality, there is, there is to be no centralized focus. There is to be no centralized force. We will all remain in our own little pocket, breaking down the structure, breaking down the system so that it gets to a point where there's no leadership. There's no guidance. Everyone is off in their own direction, doing their own little thing and insisting that no one else has the right or the, or that it is against the, it is against the norms. It is against the belief system of decentralization to create centralization, to begin to organize people. But you know what? People stagnate. Decentralization, too much decentralization creates stagnation because there's no direction. Everybody wants to go in their own direction while the group as a whole suffers for the lack of direction. And that's when centralization steps in. And trust me, it happens whether you like it or not. And when centralizing forces step in, 
those who are dissatisfied with the decentralization, the stagnation, the lack of growth, then that centralized force starts to gain once again momentum amongst those people who are dissatisfied with decentralization. And then the whole process begins all over again. And you go back and forth and back and forth between these two extremes. So there you have it, the crypto cult of decentralization. Guys, get over yourself. Get over this idea that you constantly want to pump your fist about decentralizing everything in life when in point of fact, you are doing nothing every day but supporting centralized forces. Now, I'm either for one, neither for one nor the other. I know how to recognize when I am in a positively growing centralized system or a positively growing decentralized system. And here's the thing. This is what will help you in life. Once you realize that you are within a system that is moving towards one extreme, start to look for the other force. If you see that you're in a highly centralized system, I mean, look at how many people are coming to these platforms because they're leaving, uh, they're leaving Facebook, they're leaving YouTube. People are recognizing that these centralized forces have moved into the extreme. So now they're looking for decentralized forces. But the same goes for decentralized forces. When people start seeing that the decentralized movement or what is being where the where this flag of decentralization is being flown, there is stagnation. People will start to move towards something that will centralize and create direction and create growth. And that's where we move. That's where we try to move between the two and make positive decisions for ourselves on which side of the spectrum we want to be on, which side is more beneficial at any given moment in time. Okay, trickle up, fly, dragonfly. Fly, fly, dragonfly. Yes, we have a new dragonfly. And um, I'm a little bit concerned <laughs> because there's a real challenge here for this. This dragonfly needs, in order to... Um, in the trickle-up system, once you have been chosen to become a supreme honeybee or supreme dragonfly, your objective is to um, your objective is to accumulate more steam power than the next person who would be your successor. So now we have uh, a new supreme dragonfly who needs to accumulate about um, 700 steam power in order to overtake the person who is next in line, the successor next in line. Um, the problem is, is that the successor is also accumulating steam power by publishing and, and doing whatever he's doing. So I'm finding this as, as an interesting scenario. We also have trickle up the honeybee crown finds a new home. There's a new supreme honeybee. She's not going to have any problem um, because, you know, the, the honeybee... The honeybees are the ones that have the least steam power. So it, it becomes very easy for whoever's in number one to supersede whoever's in number two. So it's, it's, more, it's a faster process. It's a faster process of passing the crown from one supreme honeybee to another supreme honeybee. It gets a little bit more complicated when we deal with the dragonflies. So I'm trying to think because I, I realize that within this system, I'm going to have to come up with creative ways uh, to help out those people who are trying, who have a, a really large gap between their actual steam power, their effective steam power, as we're calling it, and the person who comes, who who is potentially their successor. So, you know, here's the here's the first here's the first time that we're really coming up against this, and 
I'm be I would be I'm going to be interested to see how long this takes. And if it takes too long, I will want to kind of figure out a way to shorten the process so that there is not a long wait until we have, um, you know, until we have a new nomination, a new candidate in order to take the position of the Supreme Dragonfly or the Supreme Honeybee. So it's a very interesting situation right now. I'm watching it very carefully and I'm hoping that things go smooth. I'm, what I'm actually hoping for is that Steamians and particularly uh, the members within the, the Italy community understand the concept and seek to give these people that have lower steam power, seek to give them more support so that they can grow their steam power faster. So I, I'm just I'm doing my part in setting up the structure. And now I will watch and see how people within the structure um, respond to it. Uh, the Supreme Honeybee and the Supreme Dragonfly are both enthusiastic about the responsibility that they've taken on. So we will see about that, how that goes. Okay. Un adio caloroso a Curione Live. A warm farewell, a warm farewell to my smartcast, Curione Live, that has gone on for over a year now. And uh, that's the sad news, but the good news is that it's really transforming. It's going to become, from Curione Live, it's going to become Italy Live. Because what has happened over the years is that the original reason why I had created Curione Live was to address the issue of the steam hive split to the Italian community. Um, that was not fruitful. That didn't happen. I mean, when I was going, when I was doing that smart cast last year, Italians were leaving in droves. So it came to the point where there was no one, there was no one left. And I just kind of, I put it to the side. I didn't do anything with it for a little while. And then the Italian community on steam, it began to regrow itself from just like five people. And I was particularly uh, curious to watch that. I didn't, I wasn't part of that community because my emphasis was on the English speaking language. I, I can speak Italian, but not as well as I can. I can't, I can't articulate myself in Italian in the same way that I do in English. Also, I wanted to come up with uh, something that corresponded to the Tino take. When I finally came up with Toccatino, now because I now have my Italian version of this Tino take, I thought, okay, uh, Curione Live, what's going to happen with that? Where do I need to go with that? And it's a smart cast that fortunately I've had, I have three other co-hosts on it, the three other, three other people from within the Italy community that helped me to build it, helped me to, uh, put it together. So I thought to myself, okay, I'll close up Curione Live and I will reopen it as Italy Live and we will focus with that smart cast, because essentially that's what ended up happening anyway. Curione Live became dedicated to the Italian community, whereas uh, Toccatino, which is the Italian version of the Tino take, was dedicated to other issues that didn't have anything to do with the Italy community, because as I, I've said in the past, I don't want to be boxed in with my smart cast. If they're dedicated to one thing, then I can't really talk about, comfortably talk about other things. So, now that I've had that um, that issue addressed, I thought, okay, I want to continue with this smart cast, especially since I have three other co-hosts and maybe we'll have some more come on. 
I want to continue, but concentrate. And they were, they were super excited about it. They just, they, they were like, okay, this is great. This is going to be big. So, um, I did that and, uh, I just wanted to, you know, put a little farewell out as the last, uh, I did the last episode of Curione Live and I announced that, you know, we're just going to continue on with Italy Live, but with more of a focus on what's going on with the, uh, STEMA community Italy. And finally, let's end off with well, let's end off with a steam link here. We have um, key witness for U.S. extradition case against Julian Assange admits he lied about the WikiLeaks publisher. Mm. Let me quote a couple of paragraphs here. Quote: Award-winning journalist Julian Assange will spend his 50th birthday in a U.K. supermax prison for exposing the war crimes of American imperialism. In early January of 2021, a UK judge, Vanessa uh, Baratzer, Vanessa Baratzer, blocked the US attempt to extradite Assange on humanitarian grounds. In her judgment, she agreed with all of the American claims against Assange. She agreed the central claim that Assange was a hacker who conspired with Chelsea Manning to steal American intelligence documents. Now, on the positive side of things, the man doesn't get extradited. On the, ne- on the, second, on the negative side of things, you, you have this judge is basically, in, in her own words, she's just basically, she's condemning the man. It's like she put the man on trial if she's agreeing with the American claims. I mean, do they have proof of these claims? Now, here's the, the, the interesting part is, is that a lot of these claims are based on lies. I mean, we have the key witness who is now retracting his statement and saying, you know, I made it up. I didn't, you know, it's not true. Meanwhile, the man continues, you know what? These people go down in history as heroes because they, they, well, martyrs. I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't know if there's a real heroism in being a martyr because I mean, look at what you sacrifice, look at what you give up. And one thinks to themselves, was there not a better way to go about this? Was there not a better way to, you know, to do this? And, and probably the answer is no. I mean, Edward Snowden, Chelsea Manning, Julian Assange. I mean, did they have any other way of doing this? Was there any way of going about exposing these things? You know, war crimes. How can a UK judge say, hey, you know, I agree, um, while at the same time, well, it shouldn't surprise anyone because UK and USA, you know, they're buddies here. They're, they're, they, they got a long-standing buddy system going on, especially when you get up into the higher echelons of the global elite. You know, they're certainly not going to be there. They're, you know, they're the ones who UK war crimes of American imperialism. How about Iraq? How about uh, weapons of mass destruction? So <laughs> it should not surprise anyone that the UK would be kind of like wink, wink. Uh, OK, USA, we agree with you, but we're not going to allow you to extradite him. But, you know, we, we kind of we agree with your claims that he is a criminal and that he did something wrong. You know why? Because the UK would certainly hate for a whistleblower to come come forward uh, with all of the messy details of what goes on in the UK, right? So long as it's happening in the US, the UK can kind of sit there and say, well, you know, huh. but they know damn well that they wouldn't want that to happen to them. And so it is only uh, natural that they would say, okay, we agree with the American judgment. 
because it's the same judgment that we would make here in the UK. I mean, we wouldn't want to have a whistleblower coming out in the UK and uh, putting all the dirty little secrets out into the public. (laughs) It's an embarrassing situation. So, you know, so is there really justice for Julian Assange? I mean, why if why should he stay in prison? Why should he continue to stay in prison? I don't even know. You know, I haven't looked into on what grounds do they continue to hold him in the prison, right? If the charges against him with that nonsense about, uh, you know, what was it, the date rate situation, that was nonsense, right? If you're not going to extradite the man to the United States to face trial, then why should a judge be able to come up with a condemnation um, for charges that are being brought by another country. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just flipping, I'm just flipping some of my thoughts out there because I don't know the conditions as to why he's still in prison. I don't know if it has to do with this situation of him being, you know, uh, being, being accused of being a hacker that conspired. And I don't know what the real situation is as to why he's still in prison, but I know if he's coming up on his 50th birthday, that is a life sacrificed. Life sacrificed. And you know what? A life sacrificed in a world where you don't even have the joy, the satisfaction of seeing that what you sacrificed did something to change things because things have not changed. American uh, war crimes being exposed. Has anything changed? I know. Yes, I know. Things are changing. Things are changing slowly. But I mean... This man and and others who have uh, made that sacrifice, they're not they're not enjoying the satisfaction of seeing the fruits of what that sacrifice has brought. Okay, well, yeah, gotten gotten through a good bit today. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm going to see about making some changes on DTube. I will test it out in the coming days and then I will see if we have a better system to work with on DTube for the future of these smart casts as well as my hip hop music. I don't know why, just um I can't seem to find the inspiration that I once used to have. I used to be able to pump out a song a day. It just doesn't come to me. I mean I, I still got it, but I just I don't know. There's something going on <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't allow that fire to really spark up on a more regular basis. I mean, when it, when it sparks up, it's there and I get a track out to you. But then there's this kind of like this drop, the fire drops and then it kind of trickles off and then kind of fades away. And then I'm looking every day to say, well, let's, let's hope it comes back soon. I don't, I don't know. I haven't created a formula. I don't know if a formula exists for it, but um, I can assure you that I miss it. And I do hope very much to be able to bring you more hip-hop tracks in the near future. Okay, listen, everyone. Thanks for the support, as always. Thank you very much for listening.